Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Brian, did, did you talk to Jim Harbaugh or his agent? And if not, why not? No, I haven't talked to Jim. Right. Why, why is this coach from Michigan? Sorry. Right. Did, did you? He was not a consideration. You did not see him as a. No. Yeah. Like I said, we're we're going with Matt, and uh, I gave you the reasons why. Um, I think go through. You know, I didn't. I didn't go talk to anybody. First one. First time he answered it, he whispered. <laughs> hey, you talk to Jim. I haven't talked to anybody. He's a coach from Michigan. <laughs> I love that. It's Gabe Ramirez, 670 The Score, broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. What did what did what did you think he was going to say? He's at a press conference talking about Coach Eberfus. You're asking him about Jim Harbaugh. No, no, bro. I did not talk to him. No. Maybe I did, but I'm not telling you. What did they say two years ago, though, right? Habarkish said that he had a conversation with Jim Harbaugh. They didn't talk about the Bears reaching out, but one of his sources, this is Hubarkish, said that the Bears did talk to Jim Harbaugh. And it was more like trying to read the tea leaves and figure out what was going on. David Hall brought up an excellent point this morning on 670 to score, saying that he wonders if there was there was a fractured relationship even prior to this that that wouldn't have allowed him to be a member of the Chicago Bears anyway, in any capacity. We get to talk a little bit about that, about the coaches around the league, and some awards uh, that are going to be given out soon with our next guest. She joins us on the hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. She covers the NFC North for Fox Sports. Uh, it is a good friend of the station, Carmen Vitali. Carmen, welcome back to the show. Hi, Gabe. Nice to be back. Always, always. Um, let's start with Jim Harbaugh. Were you were you one of the people that was disappointed that the Bears didn't reach out to uh, Harbaugh? No, because I didn't really think that there was going to be any chance they would get him. Right. I mean, this is a guy that's going to command a lot of money. And this is not an organization that has shown that it is willing to put up that kind of money or that they are willing to let go of their coaches before their contracts are out. And clearly there's another year on Matt Eberlus's contract. So I didn't I, – I pretty much thought that the tea leaves up until that point were saying that Matt Eberlus is going to be back. And then to your point that you just talked about, Matty Rufus is sitting at that podium, Mr. Ryan Cole. Right, right. Like, what are you going to say? Like, yeah, man, I tried, but I uh, guess we got to roll with this one. Like, you already yeah. talked about how Matty, you're excited about Matty Rufus returning. You're excited for the continuity and all that other stuff. So, 
Yeah, could you, could you imagine that. Carmen? It's like, yeah, I talked to Jim. He was interested. We were too, but we couldn't come to an agreement. So that's why we're here with Maddie Boy. <laughs> Like, right, like, 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 he's the consolation prize. Like, they, were, they were never going to say that. And if, the other thing that's interesting, too, is, you know, people talk about him being a bear as if, you know, he's some guy that grew up here, you know. He visited here. He, he now is an adult, and he has an opportunity to decide where he wants to live for the rest of his life. And, you know, L.A. is, it's tough. It's, t- <laughs> it's tough to beat when you're giving him all these assets and you're telling him what he's going to be able to do. And this franchise obviously wants to win, so they're going to, you know, and where he's coming. It's just like, it's a tough sell to make it seem like, oh, it was no doubt Jim Harbaugh, even if it would have been up in the air, like he would have then selected the Bears over anything else. I really think that it was going to come down to who was going to be able to pay him because he had interest from all of the major teams that had openings. And I don't think we need to get like too far into the future of like, oh, well, he wants to stay in L.A. forever and all that other stuff. I don't think that necessarily matters. I just think it's a matter of who was going to pay him the most yeah. money. And also having Justin Herbert, Understand oh. not having a question mark at the oh, most yeah. important position. <laughs> oh yeah, makes a huge difference when you're talking about a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who's a former quarterback himself. Yeah, having that fixed uh, fixed asset right there is something that he definitely looked at. Uh, Carmen, of the teams that uh, that have new coaches, right? If this were like the newlywed game, who do you think would is the best pairing of all of the ones that have happened over the last uh, week or so? I honestly love Raheem Morris to Atlanta. Same, I think same. that is going to be such a wonderful just culture fit in general. Um, I worked for the Buccaneers for six years, and it was after Raheem's time there. But the way that he was still present in that building with people that he had worked with or just the mm-hmm. culture, the, the imprint that he left, I know it didn't work out very well with the Buccaneers. His record wasn't great. He probably – it was a premature maybe hire. He hadn't necessarily – had all the experience that maybe he needed to really be that. Yeah. He was real young and they took a chance on him. And I don't think it was, I don't think it was a bad chance. And I think they would do it 10 times out of 10 again because of the imprint he left on that organization and how much everyone loved him and still loves him to this day. I mean, he keeps up with everybody. So I just, I love that fit in Atlanta. Yeah. He was, when I saw the hiring, I I, I definitely loved it, especially for a coach because you just, you want teams to, be good, right? And you want them to figure it out eventually, not just be terrible forever. And you look at the Atlanta Falcons and you're like, okay, you're a good coach and a good culture away from being at least relevant in the NFC South. Like be like at least competing in that division consistently year in and year out. What do you think a guy like Raheem Morris, because I, I did like the hire as well. When when he looks at Desmond Ritter, you know, and and even where he's coming from, having understood like, hey, you know, you can you can mix up the quarterback and and find a guy somewhere else. Well, what do you think he's he's more inclined to do? Is it is it if Jaden Daniels is available? And I'm just saying more so like a like a big picture, not necessarily who who does he love, but like a younger guy versus bringing in a veteran of those two. Which direction do you think he'd be more inclined to go? I mean, he's so defensively oriented that I think that question is going to lie with whoever he hires mm. for his offensive coordinator and who who's going to fit that person the best and what that person I, – I really think that something Ra's really, really good at is delegating and knowing what he doesn't know. And I think that coming from a place where he was with the Los Angeles Rams and was able to work with Sean McVay and see just kind of all of the fun intricacies of that offense, I think that he can realize, hey, listen – I have the connects too. I can get a really good guy in here and I'm going to leave him to do that. I'm not going to try to control everything um, because my expertise is on the defensive side of the ball and you can really build up 
Atlanta's defense into something pretty special with the talent that's already there, bringing in maybe a couple more pieces. I just think it's going to live and die with whoever he hires as an off an offensive coordinator, but I also trust him to make that hire and I trust him to make that decision and bring in a guy because of all of the experience he now has in this league as an assistant. Um, and even, I mean, he was the interim in Atlanta, just yeah. what was that four years ago in 2020. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who he who gets in there, but I, I have full confidence in whoever ends up getting the job. Carmen, it's a great point that, you know, his resume speaks for himself and his, his own network of people, right. That he mm-hmm. can then bring himself is probably something that was enticing for the Atlanta Falcons that, Hey, I'm not, I'm not just bringing in someone. This is a guy who can bring in the right people that will have his back to make sure we're doing it right here uh, in, in the stadium. We're talking to Carmen Vitali from Fox sports here on six seventy. the score, Gabe Ramirez. Um, I, I was going to chat a little bit about the MVP race, but I feel like we both probably would be on the same page there. So I want to, I want to sneak on over to offensive player of the year and the guys that are up for that award, Tyree kill mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, C. Lamb, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott. Do you have a favorite in there, or is it just Lamar Jackson taking the taking everything for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I listen. I would not be mad at that with the year Lamar Jackson has had. Um, I do think you have to give give some consideration to. I know Tyreek Hill kind of tapered off a little bit. He was on the on track for two thousand yards at one point during the season, and that was going to be kind of you know that was going to make his case for MVP. And the same with with Christian McCaffrey. I think not even depending necessarily what happens this weekend, but especially if the 49ers win, you can't argue how important Christian McCaffrey has been to that team. And outside of a quarterback, he's proved honestly in that specific scenario in San Francisco, I I would say that Christian McCaffrey is probably more important to that offense than Brock Purdy is. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. That is right. These guys live and die with the, the way that Christian McCaffrey plays and the fact that. He has a target on his back week in and week out, and Shanahan is still scheming him open in some ways and using him in just all of these different fun, versatile ways. He is a receiver. He is a running back. He is everything you could ever want, and I would love to see the award go to him just because he's such a fun player and means so, so much to that San Francisco offense. That's who I have winning, Carmen. The offensive player of the year is Christian McCaffrey just because the race was so tight going into the last couple of weeks of the season, and then obviously when the Ravens beat the Niners – you know, Lamar kind of pulled away from that discussion. So it would be great. You know, Lamar gets the MVP. Christian McCaffrey still gets, you know, his flowers for having the incredible season that he had, and then he can win that. Um, another one that's in- intriguing to me or is interesting to me is the offensive rookie of the year. I feel like there's some big names, right? I mean, C.J. Stroud's name was thrown around in the MVP conversation at some point during the year. Yeah. Nakua, obviously we know what he did and the numbers he was able to put up. Uh, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, when you're looking at offensive production, it really stands out. And then, you know, you throw in a Robinson and a Laporta in there. Who who do you like from that group? I I think CJ Stroud ran away with it. I, I, I don't know how, I, I don't think what he's done in Houston can be overstated and getting that team to a playoff appearance in one short year of his, and his first year in the NFL is just absolutely incredible. And how, how much of a veteran he already looks and the way that he commands that offense and how much of a leader he is at such a young age. I just, he is leaps and bounds ahead of anybody else for me. And I mean, this is coming from someone who has watched Jameer Gibbs and Samuel Florida very closely <laughs> right. uh, for the last year and is wildly impressed with what they've done. But CJ Stroud, again, that's the most important position on the field. And the fact that this Houston team 
went from absolutely pitiful in the last couple of seasons and turned it all around just seemingly overnight with a new head coach, defensive head coach, by the way, uh, first-time play caller at, at offensive coordinator, and with a rookie quarterback who commanded it all and led it all. I just, I think it's it's wild how good C.J. Stroud is, how good he is already. Almost sounds too good to be true because, you know, because I'm a Bears fan. That's why. That's the, that's yeah. the, number, that's the number one I know. It's, look right it, it can happen. Right. It can happen. It can happen it's even possible. if you have a defensive head coach, even if you have a first-time play call at offensive yeah. coordinator, even if you have a piecemeal offensive line, even if you don't have every weapon available to you on offense. Don't say that, Carmen. They'll come after you. They'll come after you if you say things <laughs> like that. I know you know. Now, Gabe, you know that. <laughs> All right. So, well, speaking of, you know, play callers, the Bears, you know, certainly have a new one there. Mm-hmm. And when you're thinking about the hire, Carmen, you know, they're safe. And then there's, you know, getting it right. Yeah. Did the Bears do both when they hired Shane Waldron? Absolutely. I was so impressed with this hire uh, of Shane Waldron because I absolutely love his scheme, but I love that it has adjusted and altered and evolved, I should say, depending on who is leading it. So you look at his scheme when he was the passing game coordinator in L.A. with Jared Goff. Jared Goff had two of his best seasons statistically while Shane Waldron was in the building there. Then you look at Russell Wilson, that first year of Shane Waldron being in Seattle. Russell Wilson had a hand in that hiring. He wanted Shane Waldron to come over from the L.A. Rams to Seattle. And you look at the offense that Russell Wilson ran, and then you contrast it with what Geno Smith did. Now it keeps the same kind of principles, but Shane Waldron's offense is so well-rounded, and he does such a good job of marrying this power run game with the play action and this really effective and really productive passing game. So it's very all-encompassing, but he tailors it, and it evolves depending on who is under center, and that is the most important part. That is what Ryan Pohl said he wanted the Bears to do. That is what he was focused on in this offensive coordinator search. And honestly, getting a guy in there with experience, with offensive play calling experience, especially when you do have a defensive head coach, now Shane Waldron can be the head coach of the offense. And I think that was such a win for the Chicago Bears. It was great because it's not as though, you know, you were seeking out, I mean, it's an offensive coordinator whose coach got fired. So he's out there. Right. He's on an island. He's looking for he's looking for something. And he, right. he doesn't mind the lateral move. And then I think you said it best. I've, I've, you know, we've had two or three guys here, you know, that, that cover Seattle media, and they would say all three of them said the same thing. They're like, hey, you know, Geno Smith, you know, he, he did well, but I would, I would probably put that more on Pete Carroll. All three of them said that. And I'm like, what a shame, right? You know, we knock mm-hmm. offensive coordinators when they don't get the best out of their players, but when you have a guy who statistically and just with the eye test, you're like, Geno Smith is without a doubt having a better season than he's had or when anybody anticipated. Complete career resurgence. So why can't can't we throw the dart and let it land on Shane Waldron and just give him credit and say, yeah, the Bears made a good decision. They actually got somebody that, you know, that that, that has a proven track record, you know, instead of no shade at Janoko and and Getsy, but instead of guys that, you know, were young and and, and trying to step into that role for the first time. The the other side of the the coin there, because the Bears did say, come, that they, they wanted an all-star, you know, coordinator room, right? They wanted to have an all-star staff. Is, is, is this Bears defensive coordinator position like still an important one to where they can get an all-star kind of a guy? Or do you think that they are still looking at it like, hey, Eberflus got the reins, so we just need someone to kind of be like a, a glorified assistant? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there because if Matt Eberflus is still calling plays, he is still in charge 
of the defense. He is the one that's coming up with the game plan every every week. He is the one that is making the adjustments in game. He's the one that is pulling the strings of that defense. And he showed that it can work because we saw at the tail end of this past season that once Montez Sweat got there, that was kind of the missing piece that made everything kind of click into place. But this is a guy, you want that continuity. So, of course, Matty Riffles is going to continue to call plays. Of course, he's going to be the one to continue uh, the, being the architect behind this. So when you need someone, when you have a defensive coordinator that's not the play caller, you just need someone to take a little bit off of Matty Rufus's plate. So I don't think you necessarily need to get this proven track record, nor do I think someone who has a proven track record is going to be attracted to a job like that where he doesn't actually have any control. So there's, you, have to, you have to think about the egos here and the egos that you have to manage within, within a staff. And if he doesn't have any control, then what incentive does he have to come to Chicago when Eberflus is still calling the shots on that side of the ball? And I think that's fine. And I think it can also save you some money when you're talking about, all right, you brought in Shane Waldron, who does come with a track record, who I guarantee you is probably going to be one of the higher paid offensive coordinators mm-hmm. in the league. Now, you don't know, but, but at the same time, you don't need a guy that's one of the highest paid DCs in the league because he's not calling plays. So, such a good point. Such a good point about the payment because you know that that's factored in. You know if you're giving Shane Waldron some dough on the other side, you're like, yeah, we could bring in this guy because we can kind of not pay him as much and everything's going to be. That's so dirty. But it's so true, and we just know it happens. I know. But I know. It, like, I'm not saying it's right. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no. exactly, we've all been there. Absolutely reality. Right, right, right. Because we've all been there in some one, one, way, one way, shape, or form. Um, all right, last but not least, uh, in your heart of hearts, when you're thinking about this first-round pick and the Justin Fields, you know, telenovela that's out there, uh, how long do you think it's going to go on for? you think it's going to go all the way up until draft day? I don't know if it'll go all the way up to draft day. Um, but, I mean, if you think about it, though, I mean, the Bears are not incentivized at all to make this decision quickly. Zero. Um, especially because they have the offensive coordinator now. So you've made that higher already. Um, you did it without knowing necessarily what you're going to do at quarterback. So what's what's the now you can start playing the rumor mill. And we've seen Ryan Poles do this. He did this last year before the combine when he was selling the first overall pick again. And he made that trade down with Carolina <laughs> because he was waiting to get exactly what he wanted in DJ Moore. And in that process, you heard things coming out about the bears, maybe taking a look at a quarterback or maybe they were interested in this, or I don't know. They don't want to really trade down that much because they could want to like, you want to manipulate that rumor mill as much as possible, which means that you can drag this out until the draft. If you really wanted to, uh, it just depends on when you can find a partner. If you're going to end up trading Justin Fields, when that offer kind of hits, where you're like, all right, this is the best offer we're going to get. That could happen before the combine. That could happen after the combine. That could happen on draft night, and you just don't know. It's the best. This one's not for it to happen quickly. It's the best. It's the best soap opera ever. I, I, I'm telling you right now, and I'll be watching it closely. I can't get enough of it. Carmen, I appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. As always, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, anytime. Of course, Carmen Vitali from the. Uh, for Fox Sports, uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Carmi V C A R M I E V. She always does get super knowledgeable. Love chatting with her. I'm glad we did a little less Bears today and a little more NFL because I really was curious about her opinion on some of these other people. Like she said, get, covers them all year long. So uh, definitely interested in her thoughts on who should be taking home the hardware uh, as a result. All right, uh, speaking of of the Bears, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some centers that are available in free agency, uh, talk a little bit about that, a little bit more about the Bears, 
And then uh, don't forget, Bulls basketball kicks off pregame 9-15. Chuck Swirsky, Bill Wennington, Alyssa Bergamini, they have the call. And Bill Wennington's actually going to jump on around 8-40-ish to uh, talk some Bulls. So I will continue the conversation after this. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio. 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and on 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. What did new White Sox TV analyst... John Schriffen say to uh, Bernstein Holmes, Parkinson Spiegel, excuse me? Parkinson Spiegel. And Heron today. That's what threw me off. Parkinson Heron. What did he have to say to them earlier? I'll play that for you in just a second. It's Gabe Ramirez here on 670. The score, don't forget, Bulls basketball begins. Bulls taking on the Lakers tonight. You can hear that right here on 670. The score, game begins at 930. Pre-game begins at 915. It's going to be a good one. I'm going to be up late. I told my wife already when I got home. I was like, hey, doing a little bit of OT. She puts the girls down. Like right now, they're all probably like laying in bed or something, reading a book. And I told her she's been going to sleep right at right when they go to bed every day at 830. That's not fun. That's not good for the marriage. I, said, oh, I can't talk to you any, every day. You're going to sleep. So I said, you're going to stay up? She's like, I got to finish this book. She's so cute. I got to finish this book, babe. I got to put a dent in it. And I was like, no, I meant, like, when I get home from work today, are we going to stay up and, like, talk? It's like, fine, I'll watch the Bulls. So I'll be watching the Bulls game. She'll be doing that. It's going to be a good one. Good late-night television for those that stay Excuse me, late-night listening for those that stay up late. 670 score, Odyssey app. I'll be having my headphones on while I'm talking to my wife. That's what I'll be doing. Uh, it's brutal. It's brutal out there. It's brutal because you're a Sox fan. I'm a Sox fan, and I they. Jason Benetti's gone. You got the new guy. You know, we just looked at the depth chart. looked brutal. You know, the Bears, like, you can have your opinion about them, but you just, you're not going to know what they're going to do for months. And so it's torture. It's like you see a box, a gift wrap present under the tree, and your parents put it there October 1st. That's a massive tease. You know what I'm saying? I could not and just you're sit like, there and wait to open it. And you're that. shaking it. You're trying to figure out what's inside. Everybody comes over. Your friend comes over every day. And every day, all you do is talk about what's inside the box. And they're like, dude, Christmas is months away. Free agency, 
March 13th. Like, month and some change away before, like, you can even figure out what direction or even start to make better guesses as to what the Bears are going to do. And then after that, another month and change before you can even open the box. Like, come on. It's brutal. This is a horrible time. Horrible time. And then the Bulls? Who are the Bulls? Who are they? Like, you don't know. Too many question marks. Kendall Gill's out here on Mully and Hall talking about you don't see the Bulls making any moves. People out here saying nobody wants Zach. So we as a fan base are stuck watching this team again. It's like when you're young and you're dumb, it's okay. Because you're foolish enough to think like, oh, yeah. But when you get a little older gentleman, guess what? You start to realize that it's a wasted year of your sports fandom. Oh, no. Oh, yes, Chuck. It's a, it becomes a wasted year. I love the Bulls. The Bulls are not good. I am not 18 and thinking that some miracle is going to happen. I can see it as clear as day. So what? Now what? I just can't watch basketball for a year? This is a punch to the gut. And then Webbles. It hurts. It's a terrible place to be. I have to be excited about Shane Waldron? What? Like, that, I'm, like I'm supposed to be like, and I am. So you heard Carmen and I a second ago. We both were. But, like, that's what I'm turned about? Bear down. Bear all the way down. Man down. <laughs> that's what's going on here. Bear trap for the bears. Oh, man. It is. People out here talking about building around Justin Fields. Won't the Bears be better with Marvin Harrison and Brock Bowl? Of course. You idiot. I shouldn't say that. My daughter says don't say that. Of course. What quarterback is not going to be better with those two? Come on. That's a terrible argument. Oh, Justin's not going to be better with Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. Now what? Is that, is that team going to be able to beat Caleb Williams and DJ Moore and Roma Dunze? Maybe this year, but not next year. <laughs> Maybe this year. Maybe this year. But not next year. Play some play some audio for you. Bill Wennington coming up. Just about 10 minutes. John Schreffen looks like, you know, like 15 years ago when they told you what everyone in the United States was going to look like by 2050? You know what I mean? He's like an ambiguous guy. You don't know what he is. I saw him like, is that my cousin? Is that my, my, my cousin? Is he Puerto Rican? Is he Puerto Rican from the East Coast? Is he is he mixed? Is he I don't know. But looks healthy, looks in shape, has a great voice, does have great energy. And it is going to be something new. It's something different that maybe we're not used to on the South side. Um, but he talked about, you know, his excitement being the new voice of the White Sox. It still hasn't even really hit me. Like, I'm going to be the next voice of the Chicago White Sox in one of the best cities in the world. Like, it, it, it hasn't really hit home. And my phone's been blowing up all day. I've, I've so many text messages that I still haven't been able to check and people reaching out. Like I literally just got off the phone with Brian Anderson, who's the play by play for the, you know, the brewers and TNT and 
spoke to him for at least a half an hour and just welcoming to the, fr- the fraternity that is, you know, one of 30 jobs in, in mm. America. So it's, it's been a day. It's been awesome. I love hearing that because there's the appreciation for the position. I love the idea of talking to other broadcasters just to kind of sharpen your tools. Again, he just sounds like such a nice guy. He has like an Adam Amin vibe to him, right? Where it's just like you sound like a good dude. Sound positive. You don't sound like a hater. You don't sound like you got, you know, some some other agenda. But John continued to talk with Parkins and Heron. Um, and he had a message for the Sox fans. First off, like, I'm going to bring the heat. Like, I'm bringing the energy. Like, as soon as there's a crazy play or anything, you are going to hear it. You're going to feel it. I'm I'm a passionate person. I also, you, you talked about kind of my background and, and very untraditional path to where I am now. I I don't run from my path. Like, my path is who I am. So I was a news reporter anchor. I was a sideline reporter on the Army football package for CBS. I use those reporting skills into my broadcast style in the sense of, I'm there early at the ballpark. I'm at the batting cage. I'm in the clubhouse. I'm talking to guys. I want to get as much information so that the fans at home can have a perspective on what's going on the full arc of the season to get a real perspective on what is really happening with this team. So I'm bringing the energy. I bring preparation. Also, to be able to work with Steve Stone was a huge selling point for me because this guy has worked with the best in the business. He is, I think, one of the best analysts in the business as a legend. And getting to know him this past Sunday over dinner, like we just hit it off. And, and I think it's going to be pretty smooth transition to working with him on a daily basis because he has so much knowledge that I'm like, Steve, look, I just want to be your point guard. I'm just going to throw it up at the rim. I'm going to give you the easiest alley you can ever have because the knowledge you have, I want you to start dropping nuggets and be able to give fans something to take away from every game. I think one of the best things about Adam Amin and Stacey King is that when Adam came in, he understood that Stacy was larger than life in the grand scheme of things. And he allowed Stacy to be Stacy and did, he took nothing away from him. And that's what then led to the great relationship that Stacy and Adam have the way that they're able to joke with one another. Stacy then allows him into his space a little more. And then, you know, but Adam Amin is genuinely a nice guy like that. And, and you can kind of hear that from John Schriffen where, you know, he views Steve Stone the same way. He views Steve Stone the same way in that, hey, man, you're one of the goats. I would love to just be your point guard and let you do your thing. And he talked about it. And some other things that he said that I thought were very interesting, you know, especially about his reporting, because he he worked in New York. They wanted to keep him on staff, so they made him a reporter. He did that. He was doing investigative, all that kind of stuff. But he said he was going to take that approach with the players in telling their stories. And to me, that was interesting. That he would take his time, use his reporting skills, and then during broadcasts, look to highlight the players, not himself, when discussing the team. And I thought that was great. Nice, humble approach. I can't wait to meet the guy. Um, I'm sure he's going to be a great addition to the broadcasts to give a different you know, kind of energy. You know, people like Jason Bonetti, but there are a lot of people that didn't. You know, some people didn't like socks math. Don't, yeah, some people did. Some people didn't. Dude, don't. That was not a cue for a cub hater. Listen, just because I haven't worked with Sean Sears in a while, doesn't mean that you got to take his 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 place. I could bring him on here. Stop it. 
All right, here's what I do want you to bring on. All right. Bill Wennington, voice of the Chicago Bulls, heard here on 670 The Score. He's going to jump on next to talk about not only uh, the this game that will be happening tonight at 930 here on 670 The Score against the Lakers, but just the Bulls as a whole. More specifically, the rotation of the Bulls. The future of Andre Drummond is that with Chicago. And, you know, his updated thoughts on Zach Levine. We'll talk to Bill Wennington after the break. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. J'espère juste rester ici et par français pour le reste de ma vie. What does that mean, Bill? I said, maybe I'll stay here and speak French for the rest of my life. We got some country music with a Mexican kind of undertone with some French by Bill Wennington on the top. I love it. Tyler Beautiful by Handling Business today. It's Gabe Ramirez, 670 to score. Uh, doing a little overtime today. Bulls play at 930 against the Los Angeles Lakers. You can listen to that game right here on 670 to score. Chuck Chuck Swirsky, Bill Wennington, Alyssa Bergamini have the call. And we get to chuck, talk to uh, excuse me. We get to talk to Bill right now for a little bit. Uh, Bill, let's let, let's jump right in. And I, I don't even want to mention the Bulls to begin with. I want to start with Adrian Griffin. I mean, obviously, you know, we're we're we're, we're here in the Central. We, we we we're always watching a little bit, see what Milwaukee's doing. You know, Adrian has his ties to the Bulls organization. First year head coach had a good record. I'm just curious your thoughts on on the firing and the insertion of Doc Rivers. Well, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it's odd, but you, know, you can't argue their defense wasn't good, and they've been having problems, and you know, Giannis has said a few things in this season in the, in the papers, and uh, you could tell things weren't running smoothly. Um, but they were playing better. Uh, their record, uh, you know, turnaround, as you say, they had a good record. Uh, but, you know, defensively, they're just not what there was. The whole thing that makes it interesting Doc Rivers was hired as a consultant, and now Doc Rivers is taken over. <laughs> I'm just saying that. I'm going to put that out there. It's just that that's just odd. But it is what it is. Um, I, I like Adrian Griffin very much. Um, you know, he's been through the Bulls here as I, as a, I, I was broadcasting. And and so, uh, you know, and, and we're not close friends, but we're friends. So uh, it's always tough, and you never like to see anyone uh, lose their job and things don't work out so it's just very odd and you know that's pretty much all i could say because yeah, i don't know what's going on what's I going on you. behind the scenes so i got you it's a fair uh, nice tough. even answer i like the bill it was very safe i didn't i was just you know I, I, my thing is this I, I we obviously we watch a lot of nba and you know sometimes you know especially the bulls team right you're trying to figure out what success looks like to them and clearly success looks different to a lot of different teams and Sometimes even when you're, you know, you're off to a good start, you just feel like you could be doing better and you make sudden moves and sometimes they're shocking moves. And that's exactly what we. Well, that, you know what? And that's, that, that's the way it is. And as fans and, and I am a fan and you get caught up in your fandom ship a little bit and you want things to work out and you may like things, but when people run businesses and let's not forget that this is a business, uh, they're running it. To, to make money and, and to do well. And if they see something that they don't like, it may not be what everyone else likes. It could be something else. And they may think, I need to go in a, a different direction. And we'll find out. 
Um, you know, all the articles are coming out, coaching changes in the middle of the year, who won, who's won championships, who hasn't, all that stuff. And we'll find out if this was a good move or a bad move at the end of the season. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be following that. And then a lot of people like what's been happening with the Bulls. You know, as of late, Bulls, you know, won three out of the last five. Heartbreaker in Phoenix. Bill, that was a tough one. Um, just because it seemed like the, the energy was there. The defensive effort was there, especially on Durant at the beginning of the game. And then, you know, they just – the superstars did what superstars kind of yeah. do. Yeah. Gabe, that, that's a tough game. Uh, the Bulls had a 23-point lead. Uh, we're playing well. All of a sudden, the Bulls offense, the shooting goes a little bit cold from behind the three-point line. And then uh, the sleeping giant woke up. Uh, Kevin Durant <laughs> had, had a very pedestrian first half. And, boy, did he have a, a great uh, second half and, and phenomenal last minute and a half of the game. I mean, it the, makes a three-point shot on offensive rebound and then uh, makes an unbelievable shot to win the game where he kind of double clutches the ball to avoid a block shot from behind from Alex Caruso and then is able to get it up over Patrick Williams, who's got an outstretched hand in front of him, and, and makes the shot. And, you know, as you said, great players make great shots and, and win basketball games, and <clears throat> there's a reason he's getting paid $46 million. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he did just what he was supposed to do. And, and you got to admit, uh, coming in, uh, we thought we had a chance because it was a second game of back-to-back. They played slow, Phoenix did, in the first half. They looked like they were tired. Uh, just unfortunately, they got that second wind in, in the fourth quarter and kind of Durant just took over and they had enough to, to get over the edge. A great game. I thought the Bulls played well. They did uh, most everything they could do to win the basketball game. Just uh, wasn't enough in the end. Yeah, ended up putting up 37 three-pointers. You'd like to see that. It seemed like everybody was, you know, making their fair share and, and being aggressive with their shots as they have been as of late. Um, second half, I, I don't – because I don't feel like it was shot selection, Bill, right, from the three-point line. I, I don't know if it was – there were a couple of rush shots from P. P- Will on the wings. But, but what would you say it was? Why do you think the cool-off from the three-point line? I, I, it just happens. And, again, if we're looking at the Bulls on the season from behind the three-point line, they're shooting 36%. Uh, for the last five games, they're shooting 36%. That's where they are. For a while, uh, about three weeks ago, the Bulls were shooting up around 40%. And three-point shooting was, like, really good. But if we're being honest – uh, Vooch and DeMar are struggling. They're down in the low 20 percentage from behind a three-point line. And so they've been that uh, the, the up and down, you know, the hills and the valleys, the three-point shooting. And that's tough sometimes to, to compensate for that, and especially when you've got a team like Phoenix who all of a sudden they had a, had a guy get hot and Durant was hot from all over. He had a couple threes. He had twos. He had tough shots, uh, made some passes. And when you just don't have that consistency, it's really hard to beat good teams. Now, having said that, uh, I love the way Kobe has been playing. He's, he's playing really well. Io has been playing out of his socks uh, lately. He sh- he's one of the guys shooting the ball really well uh, for the Bulls and playing well and, and understanding what his game is, pushing the ball up, getting some easy transition baskets and playing well. And, and that's part of the reason why I think the Bulls were in the game at all and, and had take the lead because those two guys are, are carrying extra load and really uh, playing so much better right now than they were earlier in the season. It's unreal what Io's been able to do just with that second unit. And even when he gets the opportunity to start, just, you know, his, his build seems to be a little bit bigger, right? He's just a little bit stronger, kind of 
kind of like the confidence that he had a couple of years ago when he was getting to the rack aggressively uh, and pulling up for those those mid-range jumpers. I feel like you're kind of seeing that again where it's a, a, a different level of confidence from Io that the entire team is welcoming. But I'm sure, you know, there, there's that, that carryover when you see other guys like Alex Caruso, Pat Will playing hard, you know, Dale and Terry coming in and giving good minutes and, and just some energy for the team. It bleeds over to that entire second unit. Gabe, you're you're 100% correct. And you know what else it is, too? Winning. You win a couple of games. You play well and you win a couple of games. That's contagious. You like to win. Trust me, every game guys go out and play hard. And some some days, uh, as we all know, it works out, and some days it doesn't. But when you win, it's rewarding and you feel good because it's so much more fun to win and you have more fun. And we had uh, Io on on the post-game interview actually a couple of times in the last uh, 12 games. And so the second time, I, I didn't have a big technical question. He's been playing well, and he answered everything I wanted to ask. So I just asked him, I said, you look like you're having fun out there. Are you having fun? And he goes, he's always. And because his confidence is up and he's playing well, he is having more fun. And, you, Gabe, you know, when you have more fun with your job, you, you just do a better job because yeah. it's, it's fun. It's interesting. you got the energy. You're, you, you carry it a little bit more. And that's really contagious on the floor. And you, you talk about a guy like Alex Caruso. He's the talker. He's the defensive anchor. He's telling guys where to rotate and, and, and who's got to run out and where, where you got to double down from or where you got to double up from. And when he's doing that and the guys are feeling good, they're hearing it and they're on point, they're reacting right away, they're, they're doing well. When things start to get a little sluggish, guys start missing shots, they start getting a little heavy, uh, they start th- overthinking things, then defensively you're overthinking. You don't hear those calls. You're a little bit late. Now the other team starts to make some shots and gets things going. I'm not saying that's what happened in the Phoenix game, but I'm saying that that happens overall and in general. But right now the Bulls have been playing so well. These guys have, are all on the same page all the time and are playing with the same energy at both ends of the floor. And it's just, I, I don't. it's fun to watch. And for me it's fun to call the games because it's, it's – it's just fun, and the energy's good. Yeah, I love that you pointed out, Bill, that like the winning, right? I mean, we, we tend to forget about that. We see these guys playing you know, every single game, and we're trying to you know, hold them accountable every game. But you're like, no, 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 but when you win, you get a different kind of an energy, and that is most certainly what the Bulls are going to try to do tonight against Los Angeles Lakers. Um, but before I let you go, I, there's been some, some pretty big games from some of the big men in, in the league, and B dropping 70, <laughs> Cat 62. We know Joker just playing out of his mind. Wemby just grabbing balls out of the air from Josh Giddy, Like, as a, big man, as a big man that played in the league, like, what are your thoughts on some of the big men and what they're doing in the present? Well, I, I think it's phenomenal what they're doing. And obviously, the big man has invo- evolved. I mean, uh, 70 points in, in a game is, is ridiculous, and Embiid w- was phenomenal. And, and it's almost a shame. I don't know, because Chuck, after the game, goes, oh, my gosh, M- uh, Wemby had, like, 30, what yeah. he had, 30, 36 or whatever. I said, dude. I don't know if he's going to be remembered for that. I mean, that's that's nice. He got scored. They scored 70 on him. I mean, that, that's a number. Like, 70 is, is – that's a big number. I said, I don't know what's going to be – you know, it's kind of like a welcome – you want to be an all-star. This is what it's like, big guy. And and I, I guarantee you, he, Wemby's going to have big games. He's going to be a great player. He absolutely is. But for Embiid to do that to him was, was unbelievable. But it's – for me, it's great to see big guys having that success. And, and these guys are playing well, and they're doing it uh, with a combination of hitting threes, getting the ball down low. And, and those guys, uh, you talk about Cat, uh, you can't stop him. When he gets the ball down low, you can't stop him. And they can all shoot. So they've got a well-rounded game. 
they're they're playing well. You got you know, Wemby can put the ball on the floor and, and create things, and you got a guy uh, Anthony Davis that can do a lot of stuff uh, similar yeah. to that uh, here tonight. I hope he doesn't. <laughs> I hope he's hurt. Actually, they're talking about he's he's been playing with a hurt ankle and stuff. So we we'll see if uh, he's in a lineup or not. But uh, you know, and then the Joker is just a, a guy. He's you know he's and I, I don't like to, but he's like Tony Kukoc. He's a seven footer that can pass the ball, put the ball on the floor, create, create down low, and just sees everything and puts the ball right where it needs to be. And is a guy that doesn't care. He does, he's he's not out to get his thirty points every night. He's out to win, and and get buckets for whoever's going to got the easiest shots going to get the ball. And again, that's what makes basketball fun for me is when guys are playing the right way and moving to basketball and and teams are playing well together. That's really that's what I enjoy watching. And and the Bulls are playing much better like that right now, as opposed to the way they have been in the past. A uh, couple of years, and at the beginning of the season, where there's a lot of one-on-one, when you move the basketball around, it, it just makes it more fun to watch. And and the assists goes up. I think it makes it harder for teams to guard you because they don't know who's going to score. But to, to go back to your question, Gabe, uh, the big guys they've evolved, and and they're coming. And uh, for a guy like uh, Andre Drummond, who's not a three-point shooter, but when he gets the ball down low, uh, we saw when he started, you can't stop him. And he and he's going to be up to rebound. And I think there's still a place for a guy in the NBA that can, you know, oh, yeah. like right now he's playing what 15 minutes, is, seven rebounds a game. If he it, plays 30 minutes, he's going to get 15 rebounds plus a game, and it, which is what he was doing. It's beautiful watching his game too. I mean, you know, when when he comes in the game, he plays the right way. It's tenacious, and it's just it is beautiful to watch. Bill, I appreciate you giving me some of your time before the Bulls game starts. Hopefully, Vooch can be one of our big men today that uh, makes the game effortless for yep. everybody else around yeah. him. Gabe, I know you talked about overtime, that you're working overtime because the Bulls game is late tonight. I don't do overtime, so since I was on at 6.40 tonight, Chuck's going to do the fourth quarter by himself. I'm done. I talked to myself. How do we get Bill on this thing? This is great. All right, have a good one, Bill. Enjoy the game. All right, now take care, Gabe. Bill Weddington, one of my favorites to talk to uh, because him and I are genuinely passionate about basketball, so I always love chiming it up with Bill Weddington. All right, we got one more segment before we get up out of here. Alyssa Berger. Minnie is walking through the building. Uh, maybe we'll chat with her for a little bit. Uh, I always steal her. She got work to do. I don't know. She probably got other things. To do. I already stole one of the, the, the trio for some time on my show. I shouldn't steal the second one. All right, fine. I will tell you uh, one team that a lot of people are saying Justin Fields uh, could be headed to. Uh, I'll tell you what the trade looks like and what team that is after the break. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and on 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. What team do you want Justin Fields playing for next year? 312-644-6767. Just text it in. Somebody said, oh, I forgot to say dollar in the bucket for talking bulls. Somebody said for the 847. Loved your analogy, Gabe. Dollar, dollar for the bucket. It's dollar in the bucket, by the way, just if we're going to be accurate. I'm sorry I'm disgusted by the Bulls' defense, even though it's an NBA trend. We can fix this. This is the loophole. Bring back the days of hard-nosed defense. All right, I'm not going to read the rest of this. But I love dollar in the bucket. You know what that is, Alyssa? Dollar in the bucket. Alyssa Berger Mini in the building. Dollar in the bucket is whenever I'm, I'm talking about anything else, and I'm, for whatever reason, bring dollar up the Bulls. Dollar in the bucket. Dollar in the bucket. 
I know actually what that means, but I think it means a different term, what you're saying. It don't mean anything for me. <laughs> it just means literally, like, I shouldn't be talking about the Bulls if I had a swear jar. It's just in the Why, why can't you talk about the Bulls? No, no, no. It's just because, you know, we talk about the Bears here on this station. Okay. Bears and Cubs. <laughs> okay. And I like to throw in the Bulls, and so I, I put a dollar in the bucket every time. There's, there's $87 in the bucket right now. Okay, this is also Bulls Radio Network. True. True. But I just said, what team do you want Justin Fields playing oh. for? And then I started talking about the Bulls. <laughs> so you know what that means? Dollar, Dollar in the, the bucket. bucket. $88. In the <laughs> um, there is a rumor that wants the Justin Fields to go to the Patriots. And I'm here for it. Do you, you want Justin Fields to be on the Bears next year? Or do you want the Bears I to I just trade? had a discussion with Mark Grody about this. Oh, no. Where were you talking <laughs> Where were you talking to Mark Grody about I'm a this? podcast. You're going to be up next. Oh, Get ready. Touchdown, Bears. <laughs> Mark Grody. But then we got into the whole Caleb Williams discussion. I'm intrigued. As you should be. Yeah. And not even just by Caleb Williams, by any other quarterback that is better than Justin Fields. I don't think he's he's the guy for the Bears. It's just, it's, oh, here we are. It's uh, January 25th. Are we in the playoffs? No. Yeah. Yesterday on the uh, Parkinson Spiegel show when I sat in, Alyssa, I said that I've had my, my three-year lease with Justin Fields is up. Okay. Not paying rent anymore for him. Car lease. <laughs> okay. I've had many of those. <laughs> yes, as have I. <laughs> my three-year car lease with Justin Fields is up, and they're hitting me up, and they're like, hey, do you want to buy the car? Or do you want a brand new car? Brand new car. That's where we're at. That's that's a good good analogy. That's what Danny Parkin said, and I thought he was that's mocking gr- me. No, I don't think I think that's fabulous. So that, that that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I don't want to buy the car. Out. I like it; it's good, and I don't know if the new car I'm gonna like it better. But I know it's a new car. Need an upgrade, faster wheels. I just I just I, I don't even know. I might not like it. I might not like the way it drives, but I know it's new. So you might love it, and I'm, it might be way better. <laughs> it might have new features that I don't have right now. Right, it might 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 be a better ride. I, I, this, it's it's going to be like that, the limited edition ride, as opposed to the basic. And, and here's the thing, Alyssa. Everybody wants this car. Mm-hmm. It's like pre-order, like you can't pre-order it. It's one of one, and the the dealer's like, "Do you want it or not?" <laughs> I'm thinking about all the cars that I've leased over the years, yeah. and every time I got a new car, I liked it. I my first lease was a BMW. Of year. Shout out to me. Shout out to my younger self. Shout out to Gabe. Yeah, shout out to my younger self. With the swag, always. Had the BMW and then upgraded to a... Gosh, it's not... I don't have this. I have money, but I don't have this much money. I upgraded to a Lexus. Okay. After that. And then I realized that cars don't matter. I would they don't. Be go, well, because I was young, right, and single. Right. And then everybody's like, oh, I'm sure you're pulling those with the cars. And you're mm-hmm. like, no, because you don't go into a club or a bar with your car. But right. you, sometimes you that, that, go that, to the that's valet. Corny. That's corny. Okay, no. that When I did have those cars, though, that was the ultimate flex. <laughs> when you're like, yeah, don't trip. I'll take you home. Because obviously you offer that up. Right. I'm a cool cat. I'll, I'm a cool, right. <laughs> like, I'll take you home. No problem. Got you. Because you knew that when you got to the car as a 20-something-year-old and it was a BMW, you were flexing super hard. Yeah. So that was always good. I, I think even, it doesn't matter but, what but age you are. You're flexing with the BMW. But here's the thing, though, Alyssa. Yeah. If you are already taking the girl home... <laughs> It doesn't matter 
what car, I mean, it might matter a little I, bit. As a female, it matters a little yeah, bit. If but you're, if I'm if driving you're a in Mazda, a beater. If I'm driving a Mazda CX-5. That's, how did you know that was my car? Because I've seen your car before. <laughs> if you're driving a Mazda CX-5 or a BMW, it's, you're, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same. Now, she's not going to be like, no. Mm-hmm. You're right. So, so that's why I was like, why am I paying so much for this car when no one cares? But sometimes you like the guy better with the better car. I never had that. <laughs> I was. I felt like I was good at this. These analogies just started like with Justin good. Fields. I felt like I was good. All that to say, I too had a Mazda CX-5. That's how I knew you had okay. George because we yeah. both had him. Shout out Mazda. But then I, I needed a bigger car because I had two kids. And the thing with the Mazda CX-5, you don't have this issue now, but maybe one day you will. Car seats. The car seat in the back is too tight. Oh, okay. It's too good tight. Good to know. Good to know. Too tight. So, and then you can't sit back there. You can't do anything. It's like the car seats take over the back seat. So. My lease was up, and guess what time? No, actually. That it was time for a minivan. All right, here's what ended, actually ended up happening. <laughs> my lease was up on my CX-5, but because of, like, how the cars were overvalued and everything, I bought it out knowing that it was worth more uh, than what the trade-in value was okay. or the, you know, opt-out buyout value. So I bought okay. it for one year, drove it, and still got more money when I ended up getting my Kia Telluride. So not a minivan. It's because I love the Bulls, so I got a Kia oh, Telluride. Oh, look at you. Actually, I, I love the Bulls so much. This is how much I really love the Bulls. I have, I have a key to tell you, my glasses are from Zenny. I think I've seen you wear them. Yeah, Zenny glasses. I love the Bulls so much. I, I'm doing the game at nine thirty. <laughs> I'm working so the game at nine thirty. I'm gonna be my spot here. I bought. I'm like, uh, we're gonna take this up until two a.m. We don't know. Why'd you buy a spot here? What? Not after nine o'clock. Not after. What 7 do you mean? O'clock. You can just pull up into the building for seventeen bucks. Now, once it hits midnight, it's gonna be like thirty-two. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like, well, on the spot here, she got it covered. Yeah, but I'm saying like, if you go in, if you come in and do the the late night drive in here in the Prudential, okay, you come in like after four, leave before eight in the morning. Right, we're like we're gonna have to bucks. discuss this because I, you, I didn't know this. Save, save I'm still bucks. somewhat of a newbie, so I, I got you. parking I didn't got know you. that, but I I do use Spot Hero. It's it's a great app. I use Spot Hero. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's until two. So let's hope it doesn't go any further than two a.m. <laughs> I'm gonna be here when Mitch gets here in the morning. That. I can't imagine that. Uh, what time I got to get out of here, Peter Ball? Twelve. <laughs> All right, got another minute. So let me go ahead and thank everybody before I get up out of here. What are you What are you thinking about? What's said, What's on Gabe's? Thank, let me thank oh, everybody. Okay. See, it's late. Adam Rank. A big thank you to him, my guest for today. Sahad of Sharma talking some Cubs baseball. He was great. Carmen Vitali from Fox Sports. She jumped on. Had some great insight into the offseason awards. And then Bill Wennington. Part of the tremendous trio. Yeah, I like that. That was fast. Bill's going to be like, I have to do another interview now post-game. You you took up all the energy from him. (laughs) You're right. You got to say something funny. Now I want to talk to you now. No, we'll make it a short post-game. I'm sure you will. Uh, All right, Alyssa Bergamini, Chuck Swirsky, Bill Wennington coming up next. Got to thank Tyler Buterball for handling business today. Tyler Buterball for three. Count it. And a foul on the Buterball. Four-point play for Tyler Buterball. Wow. Alyssa, why are you hacking? Do, buckets. Alyssa, why are you hacking people, man? Uh, I've never heard this, that. I like that. Must have been in the celebrity game. <laughs> All right. Mi gente, that means my people. Hasta la próxima. That means until next time, which will be tomorrow, 6 p.m. right here on the station. Bulls basketball up next. Don't go anywhere. It's 670 to score. That ends the third quarter. Thanks, God. Baseball is back. 
and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.